Welcome to the European CME Forum podcast. European CME Forum is a not-for-profit organization that promotes multi-channel discussion on matters relating to European and global CME CPD. My name is Eugene Pozniak. I'm the Program Director of European CME Forum. This is the first of several podcast episodes where I'll be speaking with a workshop leader about their session at the 14th Annual European CME Forum this November. In this episode, I'm joined by Alvaro Margolis from Evimed to discuss his upcoming workshop. The focus of today's episode is International Collaboration in Online Continuing Medical Education. Hi, good afternoon, Alvaro. Or should I say good morning? How are you doing? Hi, Eugene. Good morning for me over here in Uruguay, uh, in South America. Yes, nice, nice being with you. It's lovely. It's really great to see you again. And, uh, and I'm utterly delighted to, to see that uh, you've applied to do a workshop at European CME Forum. Uh, it was great to see you last year at the virtual conference. And of course, most of the time when we see each other, it's either virtually or if it's in person, it's closer to, to your part of the world. But, um, but uh, can we start off? Why, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your own interest in CME CPD? Yes, I, I'm a physician. Uh, I'm an internist. And then I did a master in science degree uh, in biomedical informatics uh, at the University of Utah in the US. And so I've been working at the beginning in clinical medicine and then in um, health informatics, I mean, computer applications and medicine projects. And I got uh, to CME uh, uh, by uh, 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 taken by technology and thinking always about internet uses for, uh, for CME. And, uh, and I spent eight years of, uh, of my life uh, with a position at the School of Medicine at the CME office within the Postgraduate Center for Postgraduate Studies, uh, helping build a national system in Uruguay for CME and CPD. So that's how uh, I, I was brought by technology, the use of technology in education and continuing medical education. And, and and then I got involved into more academic, an academic setting, and then I I founded a company, and uh, I started doing uh, whatever I wanted to do in online CME. First nationally, Uruguay is a small country, so uh, we started working nationally uh, in Uruguay, and then we uh, started working regionally in Spanish, uh, and then also in Portuguese. And uh, and this year we're implementing programs in English also with uh, our colleagues from the University of Virginia and Cleveland Clinic. So, so what made you interested in in considering presenting a workshop at European CME Forum this year? Yes, I I always like to learn uh, from from the colleagues at the European CME Forum, and I think that uh, our experiences have um, some similarities, but also some differences. Uh, so I always like to learn what you do in Europe. And I think that it's interesting for you to learn what we do in the Americas as well. So, and across the Americas, not only in, in, in individual countries. Absolutely. No, and that's, that's what's fantastic that we've seen in recent years uh, at European CME Forum. It's not just for Europeans or by Europeans, but we have many uh, people outside of Europe, across the world, and uh, we're absolutely delighted that you can join us from Latin America, from Uruguay, to, uh, to, to help be part of the conversation this year. So it'll be great to see you there. 
Yes, I was I was there in London when you did the uh, uh, two or three years ago. I was at the European Simi Forum, but most of the times I participated remotely. <laughs> I'm looking forward to to the conference. I always learn from from the different European experiences and and to the session as well. I mean, it's going to be an interesting conversation. Uh, uh, Stephen and, and Jan are very experienced faculty, so, and... But uh, let, let me give you some heads up before we get started. So that basically the workshop is going to be about two experiences that we've done in parallel uh, with the University of Virginia on one side and with Cleveland Clinic on the other side. So they are very similar experiences in, in a certain sense, but in some senses, uh, they're different. Uh, with the University of Virginia, what we did is we partnered with the uh, nephrology, the Department of Nephrology at the UVA. And we did first, uh, last year, we implemented a program of kidney transplant for general nephrologists in Latin America, Spanish and Portuguese. So it was a, a complex uh, international uh, program, a project, I would say. I mean, we're partner institutions, the University of Virginia, Brazilian Society of Nephrology, uh, the Colombian Society of Nephrology. So, and it was, last year was in Spanish and Portuguese, but the speakers were also English speaking, of course, from the University of Virginia. So uh, that was, the first program that it was a, a pretty successful well, with over 800 participants. So we decided as EviMed was a piloting programs in the US as well, we decided that uh, uh, together we decided to do this um, for the US. I mean, this program that we, was implemented for Latin America, we did it in English for the US. That was the first, first experience. And the second experience, with the Cleveland Clinic is uh, we're implemented the uh, program uh, in October uh, uh, all together in the three languages. I mean, for North America uh, and for Latin America, English, Spanish, and Portuguese. It's an intensive care medicine program. So, so th those are the two experiences. And, and there's a lot of learning in, in designing and implementing these projects. So yeah, how, how did the project actually come about? You know, what made the three of you come together and say, you know, let's let's work together and develop something along these lines? Yes, first we started working with the University of Virginia, and uh, uh, we have a long-standing history of doing nephrology programs in Latin America. I mean, since 2013, we've been doing several programs a year in nephrology, both in Spanish and in Portuguese. And, and, and I should say, uh, Latin America uh, has basically two languages, uh, Spanish and Portuguese. But Portuguese, I mean, Brazil, uh, they speak Portuguese. It's one third of Latin America. It's just one country, but by all counts, it's one third of Latin America. So if you don't work on, in Portuguese, you're not reaching one third of the region, basically. So and uh, so we've been doing programs in, in nephrology for, uh, since 2013. And, uh, and with Jan, uh, we know each other uh, for a long time in, in various collaborations. Uh, and uh, we saw the opportunity of working with the faculty, nephrology faculty, because of, of some coincidences. Uh, the brother of the director of the kidney transplant uh, unit in the UVA was the 
Inter-American Development Bank representative here in Uruguay. So we met in a party and we started talking about our uh, friends. And so, you know, things happen just by chance. And of course, I, I know Jan very well. So I knew the CME office and then I, I got to know uh, the director of a kidney transplant at the UVA. And, and uh, when I was in Washington, D.C. for one of the alliance conferences, I went to visit uh, Charlottesville, uh, which is two hours by, by car. And, and we met and we are doing a program together. And, and then we did the, all the other uh, partnerships with the other societies that we know for, for a long time. Uh, and, and we implemented the program. That, that's, that's actually how, you know, things happen in the real world, right? Actually, something you said um, a bit earlier on, that, uh, that if you don't cover the Portuguese language, you're excluding one third of Latin America. When it comes to healthcare professionals, how much do each of them uh, understand and can work in the other language, you know, whether it's the Brazilians working in Spanish or the, the others working in uh, Portuguese? Uh, uh, the languages are uh, quite, uh, I would say, similar as uh, English and German are. I, I wouldn't say, I, I, I don't know German, but uh, so people are not, unless they know the other language, they are not really, really com comfortable uh, learning the other language. And, and, and basically, it's, it's, a, it's a big barrier. If you, if you run a program uh, in Spanish, and you want to, uh, and we, we do have access to the Brazilian nephrologists, for example, or intensive care physicians. But if you run it only in Spanish, you, you basically you would get 10% of the registrants you would get if, they, if you run it in Portuguese as well. So but that's a major la uh, language barrier. And, and the other way around, it's even worse, uh, unless for, for the countries, I mean, for Spanish speaking professionals like myself, uh, understanding and learning in Portuguese, that's a major, a major challenge. I mean, and, and if you're in Mexico, which is far, far away from, from Brazil, I mean, you don't understand anything. I mean, Portuguese, uh, because they may look similar when, when it's written, but when it's spoken, it's very different, very, very different. So for, for me, I, I'm at the border. Uh, and Argentina is on the border and some of the bordering countries with Brazil were used to, more used to, but still it's a major barrier. So also with English, I, I should say, uh, if you try to run programs in, in English here in Latin America, it's uh, you have a major ba barrier there. You may have uh, just a few professionals participating. So basically you have to run things in the native languages. Sure, sure. No, and I and I like that parallel you made with uh, between English and German. Of course, yeah, the roots are very similar, but but yeah, just uh, speaking one gives you very little uh, of a head start into into the other. So uh, that, that's that's fascinating. Thank you, thank you for explaining that. Um, so we, when we come to your actual session uh, that you're putting together, you know, what was what was your inspiration behind this? What what um, uh, can you give us a bit of background as to why you think that this project would make a good uh, workshop session at uh, European CME Forum? Uh, I think that there are two aspects of the workshop that will be uh, useful. Uh, talking about online CME, which is something that everybody is embracing right now because of the pandemic, and uh, and, uh, and 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 talking about. Uh, um, 
international collaboration in a multilingual environment. That's another aspect that uh, people who attend the European Swimming Forum will reflect, will see uh, us as a mirror to reflect and think about their own experience and say what can be done from, from there. So that's uh, uh, both uh, aspects are kind of uh, intersecting there, but uh, international collaboration and multilingual programs and online CME. I think that both things are of interest for 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 the participating audience because I mean Europe is a very it has, in center sense is similar to the Americas uh, but uh, in other ways it's uh, it's different in the sense that you have many more languages I mean native languages for example for us it's much easier to do a multilingual program because you you only have three languages here yeah no absolutely and be some really good lessons to learn and then when you're actually putting the workshop together. So bringing it to a predominantly European audience, as, as you say, what kind of response and feedback are you expecting to get from the delegates? Yes, uh, as I said, I, I think that people will be thinking about themselves doing these kind of programs in Europe on one side. And for some, for some organizations, they, they would be thinking about doing programs from Europe into Latin America or working together in partnership with the US-based institutions. So there are some ideas that may, may be useful. I mean, and the conversation, the workshops are small and they are very good opportunities for conversation. It's not that uh, 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 Stephen Kozak and John Balmer and myself will be just lecturing, but uh, we'll have a, a group of, a small group of people talking with each other and exchanging ideas. And so uh, I can imagine uh, people think about their, their own programs in Europe and the possibilities of working both in North America and in Latin America. And uh, that, that's where the conversations probably go, be going through. Yeah, and it's this international um, aspect of, of your workshop, which was so interesting to the reviewers when they saw your abstract, they could see while your collaboration is uh, between so Latin America and North America, um, yeah, the international environment within Europe is, really reflects that very nicely. So it's not just sort of working with uh, US or Latin American organizations, but even just setting up European collaborations is, is, a, is a huge challenge. And it's just really interesting to see how you've approached this in multiple languages um, as well. So, so you've mentioned Jan and Stephen, so they'll be there, the three of you will be there discussing your project and uh, highlighting all these challenges to the, to the learners. Is, is there a specific question you would like to ask perhaps the uh, European or other participants from around the world that you think could help your project? I think that uh, eventually uh, the question about the languages is an interesting uh, question. So I would ask if uh, we were running these programs uh, for Europe, uh, how would you, uh, what would be the compromise in, in the management of multiple languages? Uh, would you be having uh, reading materials in English and discussions in the native languages? Would you be working in the main languages only or every language? And this kind of discussion, I think it's useful. And uh, what will be the usefulness of doing going through HCCME accreditation for uh, the European landscape? 
uh, which is something that uh, we, of course, we we need for North American programs, but we don't need for Latin American programs. How would that apply into Europe? So that uh, I would see the conversation uh, around those those topics. Sure. No, that's great. And um, and then regarding sort of after the session. Um, what would you hope that the delegates actually would be able to take from your experiences and implement in their own practices? Yes, uh, there are aspects in, in the architecture of, uh, of these programs, how to build the architecture of uh, international multi-institutional programs. Uh, there's some learning that they could take from there. Uh, also, um how how to work in uh, diverse uh, multicultural uh, multilingual uh, learning environment but also the type of program that, that is not so so widely available using sequential longitudinal uh, asynchronous uh, social learning in massive audiences i think that's something that uh, 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 the European Simi Forum is a, uh, a very, um, um, uh, it, it's a place where uh, people can talk with each other because not, it's not such a large audience, but when you have uh, an activity, an educational activity over, over 1,000 participants, well, you have to leverage uh, how to manage those social uh, activities. And, and with online learning, you can use and, and people, I mean, platforms are already using uh, analytics and and, uh, and the data from participants to to match making uh, people who are similar with similar interests and so on, and uh, and that's something that I think that's uh, also to, to think about how how to do this kind of thing, and, and and think how can be done with the resources that each organization has, and something with a project like yours where you have. Um, clinicians discussing treatments from different countries. Did you find there was much disparity between the ways they treated certain conditions? Um, was there more agreement or disagreements? Were there? Uh, did they listen to each other and uh, learn from each other? What was your experience in in that respect? Yes, um, uh, healthcare environments are very different, even within one country. I mean, you have a national. Uh, healthcare system in the UK, but uh, in many countries, including the US or Latin American countries, you have several disparate systems. And even within a, one system, you have rural populations and you have urban uh, health healthcare, which is different. Of course, access to healthcare may be different. So th this is a, a challenge. I mean, uh, to to have something that can be uh, evidence-based on one side, but then apply to the local settings. So people value the opportunity to exchange uh, a, across uh, different healthcare systems and, and situations. For example, when we work in infectious diseases, people value to see when there's an opinion from another country where they have a certain type of uh, bacteria that is more predominant and how they manage that and the experts from different places, and also world experts. But then at the end of the day, people also need a way to apply uh, what they learn in their setting. And uh, sometimes, we, sometimes, not always, we can, we can do this and having some kind of a project where they can reflect on how to implement some 
a part of the knowledge into their own uh, institution if they register by in teams for example so so it's it's a challenge and uh, particularly uh, some areas in Latin America are re uh, more resource constraint settings and some things that can be done in Cleveland Clinic or at the University of Virginia cannot be done certain treatments and uh, in, in, in all across the spectrum but uh, the conversation is also useful because uh, what would you do if you don't have access to this type of treatment and the conversation with the experts and with the peers would also be is also useful in this regard even if you don't have access to a certain uh, very uh, advanced technique or you can discuss with the experts what would you do if you were in this rural setting in this middle-income country and you would have access to only this for this same patient that we are discussing in the in the discussion forum so and there's some opinions and there are uh, so that's the way we manage and people like this conversation the close conversation with their peers uh, closer peers but also with other and with the experts sure yeah no and that's really nicely put alvaro um yeah, it was, it was so many times we think about what are the international challenges uh, you know do the us guidelines affect the practice in in europe and things but actually yeah within a single healthcare system we can have multiple challenges. You know, the urban environment compared to the rural environment just a few kilometers away can be hugely different. So there's no language barrier there working within the same system. And already we have a disparity of practice. But uh, now I'll be really fascinated to see how, uh, how you present this and, uh, and the details of, of your workshop. Sounds really fascinating. Um, is there anything else that you would like to, to say about the session? I think that... Uh... We pretty much covered everything. Uh, just to mention that for you, it's something that you, uh, it's implicitly in your mindset for you Europeans, but uh, cultural sensitivity uh, among the project participants is something that you have to learn. I mean, uh, to work through. I mean, if you have um, a US-based institution, and then you have a Brazilian institution, and then a Colombian institution, for example, you, you have to understand how people make decisions, how they, 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 they compromise, or when they say no as well. I mean, we do a lot of international programs, and in town cultures, it's not very, uh, it's difficult uh, to say no. And you have to listen how they they're telling you no uh, when you're defining something without saying the word no uh, and that kind of thing of cultural sensitivity of the uh, program directors uh, to understand each other and and to work with each other that's that's something that of course you are very used to it because you have different uh, different culture within your uh, your continent but uh, for North Americans that's something that we uh, since we're used to working with these different cultures and different languages and 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 uh, the Brazilians are very polite in general for example so you have to listen very carefully when they're telling you that they don't want to do something and, and it's not uh, also the Mexicans in general they, they are very very polite we speak a basically exactly the same language as here in Uruguay or Argentina, but uh, we are much more um, direct 
uh, in the way of saying, like uh, uh, like the Americans. But then you have to listen very careful, and and, and this is just an uh, uh, an example. But uh, across many things, you have to be flexible to work in international programs like this. Yeah, no, absolutely. And this is something that I've only come to see later on in my career. You know, the more time I've spent in the U.S., the um, approach to sort of cultural awareness and sensitivities is is brought up much more than it is in Europe. And actually, it's interesting how you're describing how you see Europeans. But I think as a European, we're not as aware. Um, and maybe there's even a little because we're probably closer together we do think uh, in similar ways but the differences are much more accentuated because we don't actually verbalize it so much and uh, i'm sure that leads to disagreements and misunderstandings um especially at, at the moment with uh, you know, speaking as a brit in europe but uh yeah so certainly in in our country in the uk um the differences are accentuated and what would be good is actually the approach that, that you've described is actually understanding there are differences and to actually understand when someone says no or to pick up the the subtleties of language even though we might be speaking everyone could be speaking english but just just the cultural way of approaching um, a conversation whether it's uh, someone being happy or unhappy with the specific situation is uh, a very, very valuable lesson to learn in these kind of international collaboration situations, especially. Yes. <laughs> and uh, just just one thing is the accreditation. Uh, I, I said it, I think. And, and the regulatory environment in the US is very different from each of the Latin American countries. I mean, there's no uh, harmonized uh, Latin American uh, although we speak the same language, I mean, except for Brazil, so we understand each other, we see the same cable network, etc. So we, there, there are many collaborating institutions, but there's no harmonizing that as much as you have in Europe. And of course, it's not like the US. So um, all the more regulatory aspects are country by country. So you have to pay, uh, to pay attention to that, depending on what you want to do and how you want to, people to participate. And, and, and now that it, it's become a very crowded space, I mean, online CME, two years ago, when we talked about this, it wasn't crowded like this, I mean, before the pandemic. But now that's become a very crowded space. You need to pay attention and make sure that uh, people get uh, what they expect from, for example, if the, in Mexico, CME is uh, mandatory, you need to to make sure that people get the credits that they need. If not, they're not going to be participating in the in your activities. But then in Colombia, it's it's voluntary, so you have to be so so worried about that. So that kind of thing. Sure, sure. No, and um, in fact, that's a really hot topic, or an emerging topic in Europe, which we'll cover in the European CME Forum as well in the in the main sessions. Now, because the, C, the CME environment in Europe is isn't actually that. Um, well, it's certainly not how you described it, Alvaro. It's, uh, um, it's very disparate. There are over 200 different systems across the, the whole continent. But, but what we're finding, um, and it'll be interesting to hear your, your comment on this, is that you know, CME accreditation really works for three purposes. And the first one is, is for the credit that the learner actually takes away. And then the second one is, is that stamp of quality. So someone's looked at it and this is high quality. And, um, and the third way is really the compliance considerations. But it's that first way that we found that there's so much 
education, accredited education that's available now online, and even beforehand, whether it's through the hospitals or their medical societies, that, that the doctors can actually get enough of the credit points they need in the year, that that becomes less important. And, and now during COVID times, people going online, they're, they're not claiming the certificates at the end, but they're engaging with it. So they appreciate the quality of the education, but not necessarily um, the, you know, the, the CME credit at, at the end of the process. Yeah, have you seen any anything along those lines? Uh, for now, what we're seeing is the opposite, in the sense that, uh, of course, people are bombarded right now with many, many types of uh, webinars and, and different activities, even online conferences that were usually live. But so when they decide to participate in something that's uh, going to take quite a few hours uh, of their time in, in during a couple of months, they, they, they would like to see uh, that the credit systems are can be applied so that they they, they don't have to worry they just um, get the credits from they, they obtain so so it, it, it is something that people expect to be there it's not the the reason for participating but they would expect more than two years ago i would say uh, to to have that uh, that kind of uh, um, uh, um, recognition for their cme systems Right. Well, no, that's really, really interesting. And so within this, were you offering the AMA credit for the Latin American learners as well? Or, or no. did you have to have local accreditation then by country? Yes. In the countries that we see that it's becoming mandatory or that it's really needed, we do at the local level. We make sure that the credits are valid at the local level. And for the US... Uh, yes, we went through the AMA um, credits and ACCME and, and the interprofessional credits as well. I mean, both programs that, that I mentioned that we're uh, working with the University of Virginia and with the Cleveland Clinic are uh, interprofessional. They have uh, not only for physicians, but also for nurses and pharmacists and other healthcare professionals. So uh, for the U.S., yes, and for the other, uh, for Latin America, uh, depending on the country. When, when it's needed, we go through the process, definitely. But there's no harmonizing like, uh, like you have in Europe. Although you have many credit systems, you have some international institutions that may give credits for the whole region. We don't have that. Yeah, we're getting there slowly, but this is this is great for your for your session, Alvaro. It's it's not just the international angle. You've also mentioned that it's the interprofessional approach as well. So it's not just uh, education for doctors, but for the whole care team. And um, and we'll really look forward to hearing you, Jan, and Stephen present this workshop. And uh, we look forward to seeing you online in November. Thanks very much for your time today. Oh, thank you, Jing, and looking forward to the session. That was Alvaro Margolis from Evimed, joining me to discuss his upcoming workshop at the 14th Annual European CME Forum. Registration is open for the 14th Annual Meeting, and if you complete our annual survey, you will also receive a 10% discount. Your registration will also give you access to the complete archive of the 13th Annual European CME Forum, consisting of all the plenary and workshop sessions with over 18 hours of CME CPD content from a faculty of 70 experts in European and global CME. 
More information on the upcoming 14th Annual European CME Forum and this year's JECME Special Collection can be found on our website, cmeforum.org. Thank you for listening and join us for more episodes as we explore all things CME CPD. Thank you.